Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you all, you visitors that are here. Good to see you, Michael. Uh, yes, it's been a good morning. It's been a good morning. It's been a lovely morning, too. God is giving us some beautiful weather these days. Praise the Lord, before it gets cold, I suppose. Uh. Well, I appreciate it, what was shared already this morning on righteousness. Uh, let's see here, I wrote something down. Christ working out His righteousness in us. Praise God. And then hearing too in the children's lesson about Jesus healing the sick person, the woman that had an issue of blood. God is a miracle working God. Amen. Yes, He is. He is a miracle working God. Let us believe Him. <clears throat> Are you here this morning with a need? God is able to meet that need. And like Randall said this morning, don't say no. That's a foolish thing to do. That's a foolish thing to do. Well, we were... Uh, we uh, had a family outing up in Prairie de Chine. And we were there a couple of days and uh, had a nice time there. <clears throat> and my thoughts this past week, I guess, I'm not sure why I said that. Well, maybe I was, one sense I was looking for someone maybe to take my place because we were going to be away, but uh, it didn't work out. So my thoughts this past week were in Matthew chapter um, 11. And that's what I want to preach out of here this morning. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm not sure if I, how organized they are, so pray for me. <laughs> I think what we'll do here, Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse uh, 25, I think we'll read it, and then I'd like for us to have a prayer together where we turn around in our seats and call on the Lord. <clears throat> Let's read here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 and following. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and 
Ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Shall we pray? Let's turn around in our seats and pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, we come to you here in the middle of the service, Lord. We worship you, we praise you. We thank you that you are our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And yes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil today, God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Father. And we're looking to you this morning for your blessing, continued blessing, God. Thank you for what has been brought already. And I pray, O oh God, help us, Lord, to know you in an even greater and a deeper way, dear God, as we leave these doors today. Oh, Father, I pray. Lord, we need you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus who came and gave his life, shed his blood, died on the cross so that we could have the righteousness within, oh God, and that it spills out from the inside out. Lord, we thank you for that righteousness this morning. And I pray, oh God, may not one of us here this morning Resist the Spirit of the Holy One, God. Oh, Father, I pray. Lord, be very real to each one of us, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you for the church body here, Lord. Thank you for each one, God. I pray that you would touch each heart here this morning. Lord, we need you. We're living in the last days and we're living in perilous times, God. And the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But, oh God, we thank you this morning for Jesus who came to give life and to give it more abundantly, Father. And we thank you for that life this morning. And I just pray, God, oh Father, I pray, wherever that life is hindered in my life, in the lives of my brothers and sisters, God, that we would, that we would allow you, Lord, to, how should I say, change us, God. Oh Father, from the inside out, hallelujah, Lord. Father, we call upon you. We look to you this morning. Thank you, God, again for this Lord's Day. Thank you that we can come together in this way. Look into your word. Be encouraged. Be blessed, God. Father, help us, Lord, also, Father, in all these things, in all these blessings, God, that we don't just, how should I say, hoard them to ourselves, but, oh, God, that, that we would realize that you're giving them to us, Lord, to, to, to give to others, God. Oh, Father, that you would receive glory from our lives, Lord. We thank you, God. We bless your holy name. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Here this morning, I uh, I was thinking of starting at verse twenty-eight, but as I was as I was looking at 
25, 26, and 27, probably especially 25 there, I thought it's very fitting with the flow of, of Scripture here, <clears throat> or what we are looking at here this morning. And my title this morning is, Come and Rest. Come and Rest. <clears throat> That's the title that I have chosen to uh, title the message here this morning. <clears throat> Well, here in verse 25, he says, I thank thee, or this is Jesus speaking, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Are we wise, are we prudent, or are we as babes here this morning? And I will, maybe to give a clarifier here, I would say the worldly wise... Uh, I guess I didn't look into that word prudent a lot. And if we go to uh, 1 Corinthians 1, we could turn there. For a reading in light of this. 1 Corinthians 1, verse... uh, Starting at verse 29, 25, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Isn't it something that God doesn't call the, how He says here, Verse 26, For we see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's not the worldly wise, if I can say it that way. They look at things through the the wisdom of this world and they end up Not seeing Jesus. They end up not seeing Jesus. So, is it a bad thing to be a nobody? Do you want to be somebody? Is it a bad thing to be a nobody? According to this world's standard? It's okay. 
it's okay. If, if, if we're a nobody in this world, standard, but turn that around in God's sight, we're most precious. <clears throat> God's sight, we're most precious. <clears throat> Going back to Matthew uh, 11 there, verse 25. I thank Thee, O Father, Lord. This is Jesus again. I'll iterate that just so that we get it. I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. So it does us good to ponder that, to think about that. Um, Because if we don't get this, and I believe everyone that is, ha, is a child of God has, has a measure of this, I believe we can always go deeper. Um, but we live in a world that is fallen, and the billboards and the advertisement and all those things that are out there are calling. They're not calling us to the righteousness which is in Christ. They're calling us to this world's... Um, what do you want to say? Goal, vision. <clears throat> They're calling us to this world. <clears throat> God has revealed these things. Unto babes. So let us be like babes this morning. Praise God. So that we can understand the things of God. The one that is uh, the, the, the worldly wise man, he cannot understand the things of God. <clears throat> like it said there in Corinthians, their foolishness unto him. Well, now let's look at uh, verse 28 where Jesus says, He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I like that. I don't know about you. Jesus says to each one of us this morning, Come unto me. Endearing words, if you will. Jesus says, Come unto me. <clears throat> Come unto me. Who is he, in a sense, who is he saying this to? I believe he can be saying it to all of us. <clears throat> but he does uh, uh, bring in, he says, All ye that labor and are heavy laden. All, the, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I've always looked at this this portion of scripture basically where it's where you use this scripture for salvation preaching a salvation message and i believe you can do that and it's very good in that way <clears throat> but if you as i looked into some of these words it didn't quite give me the same picture 
when you go down that road, if you will. He says, Jesus says here, Come unto me, all ye that labor. Are you here this morning and are you laboring, not with your hands? Today is Sunday, right? But did you know that you can be sitting at church and you can be laboring? And Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor. Are you here this morning and are you laboring? I pray if you're here this morning and you are laboring, that you will take this invitation that Jesus says, He says, Come unto me. Come unto me. Praise God. Come unto me. What endearing words. I don't know you English people, uh, teachers, am I saying that right? (laughs) Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And how does he finish it off? He says... He doesn't just say, come unto me and, and, and keep on laboring. Don't just keep on laboring. But come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. What a beautiful thing. Rest. Did we sing that song about the Lord is my shepherd? I think, Arlen, you picked that song. <clears throat> and I had to think of the, the Lord's my, or the Psalms 23 this morning in light of uh, this whole thing of rest, where Jesus, or where, um, <clears throat> where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. We live in a world that is, can I say, restless. Elvins and us were up there at the... Corville Dam, where the water comes out. And I have a confession to make, Darrow. I threw one of your balls in there. <laughs> but this, this uh, you know, most of you probably were up, up there at the Corville Dam already, and they have this out where all the water comes out. And this big uh, open uh, culvert, the water comes spilling out, and it just... And just to think, we were, I think some of us were thinking there 
How would it be to be in the middle of the ocean with a big, in a, in a ship or in a boat where the water is going like that? I can't imagine. Mm, restless. Mm. So I threw, and I, I, I thought a little bit, how it would be if, if I would be in that water or somebody would end up in that water. So I took Daryl's, uh, or it said Beachy's yellow ball, and I, <laughs> I need to get one back to you. But I, I threw it into the mouth of that culvert where the water was coming out, and as it landed, it bounced way back out, probably about in the middle of that where the water was very turbulent. <clears throat> I think we saw that ball coming up a couple times. It came up a couple times. And I don't know what happened to it. Did anybody find it this week? (laughs) This world, there is no rest, can I say, to the worldling. And even to the Christian, sometimes we find ourselves, can I say, restless. We're not at rest. And Jesus says, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Like I said earlier that, uh, you know, we can be at church. Sunday is a, is a, a day of rest where we can be... Uh, where we don't do physical labor with our hands, but yet we can be laboring in our mind. The type of rest that we're talking about here this morning is not a rest that comes by going to bed. You can go to bed and still not be resting. This rest comes when we are meek and lowly in heart, like Jesus says. I'm maybe getting a little ahead of myself here, but in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, it says, The meek shall inherit the earth. It is not something they work for, but something they receive because they know the meekness of Jesus. Get that. It's not something that they work for, but something they receive because they have the meekness of Jesus. And the rest comes. Then the rest comes. You try to work for it, it's going to get further away from you. In other words, it's not something we do, but something that we receive because we have the meekness of Jesus. Did you ever go to bed where your mind was just going, 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 going? And you have a hard time falling asleep. I think probably most of us can probably identify to that. There's times, you know, that our mind just goes. But here again, I think Jesus' words would be, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Cast your care upon the Lord, for He cares for you. We tend probably to try to figure things out too much in our own, the wisdom that we think we have. 
instead of calling on the Lord and saying, Lord, I need wisdom. And allow Him to give us the wisdom that we need as we get up in the morning, hopefully, and look into the Word and read the Word of God and supernaturally, somehow, He gives us the wisdom that we need. Is that our God? Hallelujah. Yes, that's our God. And it's, it's a little bit of a fine line like Brendan was saying, you know, this thing of uh, working for our own righteousness ver- versus receiving it. You know, what we do and what we don't do. <clears throat> well, I think this thing of rest, it's very clear. The harder we try to get it, the further away it gets. So there's something that needs to happen. There's something that needs to happen. Well, let's look at another example here of uh, something that... In, let's go to Luke 10.38. I like to read there. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village. He's talking about Jesus. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was comforted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Those were the words of Jesus to Martha, who was comforted about with much serving. And I have heard or maybe even read of different ones that have maybe in a little bit of a negative way set they they looked at at, at uh, they looked at Martha in a positive way and at Mary in a negative way because Martha was serving and Mary was just sitting. <clears throat> well, I like to give the picture this morning that I think serving was fine for Martha, but the problem was what was the problem? Jesus said that she is careful and troubled about many things. That word uh, where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
in the in the Greek that says see if I can read it here I got Sarah to jot it down for me here this morning before I came to load up properly as a vessel or animal that is figuratively to overburden with ceremony or spiritual anxiety. Laid, be heavy laden. I should have maybe said that earlier while we were there in, in Matthew. As far as the heavy laden is to overburden with ceremony or spiritual anxiety. And I, when I think of Mary or Martha here, that's, I get a little bit of a, of a picture of where she was, she was full of anxiety. <clears throat> Careful and troubled about many things. Cumbered about much serving. <clears throat> I think I had another one on that. On... Uh, On that thing of cumbered. Must have left it with my other uh, notes there. But where it says here that uh, Martha was cumbered about. And that if you look into that word, it gives you a little bit of a picture of being uh, drug around. Do you feel like you're being drug around this morning? I hope not. But Martha here was cumbered about, which much serving. The, the beauty that Jesus wants us, if I can just say it here about Martha, is that, that she would have found that rest, if you will, and served at the same time. Does that make sense? It's not wrong to serve, but if you're serving and you're all, all, whatever, that's the problem. And that's what you need to go after. That's what you need to zero in on. There is some, I believe, sometimes they, they say, well, you can't serve because you get all excited. You get too whatever. No, the serving is not the problem. There's a deeper problem. There's a deeper problem. And Jesus has the answer. His, of course, the bottom or the end of it is, is that there is rest. In Christ, there is rest. So what stirs up all that, those, those feelings and those stirrings within us? What are those things? Well, we'll see if we get to that eventually here. <clears throat> So who wants to be a Martha and who wants to be a Mary? Or who wants to be a a Martha and a Mary? (laughs) In the right way. Well, very good. Uh, I'm not sure how long I want to go on this, but there's another passage of Scripture. uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. That links to this very well too. 
It's a very familiar passage, and I was thinking of just mentioning, I think most of you were here a couple of Sundays ago when uh, um, um, Brother Luke uh, quoted the Sermon on the Mount here, chapter 5, 6, and 7. And also Larry had a message on... The other Sunday it was on denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus. In light of what we're looking at here this morning, I think it's good to remember those things that we heard. And I believe we'll get even a more, how should I say, bigger picture of what we're trying to share here this morning. But here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cupid unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentile or the world seek after. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Well, there's a lot in here. But doesn't it flow with the whole aspect of rest? Are you here this morning? Are you laboring because you don't have enough? Or you have too much? <laughs> There's an interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, see if I can remember which one it was now. Is it in, in Ecclesiastics where it says that the, uh, I think it's Ecclesiastics, where it says that the, uh, The laboring man's sleep is sweet, but the rich man's sleep is taken away. What is that saying? Are we laboring over the things we shouldn't be laboring over? 
Is it taking away our sleep? Are we finding that rest which is in Christ? That righteousness which is from within and comes from the inside out, like we heard Brendan share some this morning. And I like that you made note of that, Brendan, or you said something to the extent where, you know, it's not just a, a righteousness that is thrown over, over us some mystical way and doesn't really have an effect upon our life. I know, Larry, you did some teaching on that, which was very good. <clears throat> there is some out there, or some that would teach basically that we get this robe of righteousness and it. It's almost played out to where it doesn't matter how you live. That is not the righteousness of Christ. That is not the righteousness of Christ. But when Christ comes and lives with inside of us, that Christ, that righteous Christ, if He truly is in there, we need to let Him come out. We need to let Him come out. And we can hinder Him. In Ephesians it says, putting off the old man in his deeds and putting on Christ. Putting off the old man and putting on Christ. So what is this here in Matthew? Or what we just read about? He's talking... When when I read this about take no thought, uh, I didn't look it up here yesterday or this morning, but I'm going by my past studies, I think it is, talks about anxious care, worldly or anxious care. Take no thought. Don't be, don't have anxious care. You have a Father in heaven who loves to take care of His children. So why would we resort to worry and fret and restlessness and Wondering whether, uh, you know, just thinking about the rich and the poor, the, the poor worrying whether they're going to have food to eat, uh, eat the next day, or the rich because they have so much money they don't know what to do with it all, and, and all this and that, or I guess I'm not sure how all that works. But uh, we know of multimillionaires, or have heard, at least I have, that were miserable. They had all that the world could give, but yet they were restless. They were miserable. And we all know, I trust all know here, that money does not bring peace or rest. But then I also have heard of where a man like that came to the Lord and started uh, using his money for the kingdom's sake and uh, I'll finish it off. I don't know that it was said there. Maybe it was, but uh, that he found the rest which is in Christ. <clears throat> so how are we doing this morning, brothers and sisters? Life is real. I don't want to paint a picture that we live in this utopia where there is no problems. There will be problems as long as we live in this side of eternity. There are going to be problems. But it's how we respond to those problems. And it's how we, uh, it's again comes back to how we are, oh, how should I say? 
that we have that righteousness which is within and is flowing out. I might just throw in here on this whole, uh, this passage here of what I just read in light of Proverbs. I think it was Gary Miller where I heard this from. He brings out about Proverbs, the teaching on Proverbs on finances and what is another word? What have we been looking at as a brotherhood? Materialism. Possessions. Thank you. Possessions. And he brings in the, that, uh, the, the, how does he bring it in? The whole aspect of Proverbs and the teaching of Christ and bringing them together that they don't conflict with each other. And the first time I heard that, it's like there's something there that is right. Because again, we talked about Martha who was serving. There's nothing wrong about serving. But if you're anxious and all tight, you need to take care of that. We'll hear this thing of Proverbs where people can zero in on doing all the right things and by applying God's principles, you can get ahead. And and, and the thing can just go on and on to where they they can soon have a worldly heart. They can see, wow, this thing works. I mean, how much more can I get? How richer can I get? And they fail to bring in the teachings of Christ, who I believe here on the Sermon on the Mount is zeroing in on the heart. The motivations of our heart. What are the motivations of our heart? Why are we doing? Why am I doing what I am doing? And it's beautiful. I like that. I like that. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. I grew up on a farm and I, uh, a couple, couple springs, I went, my dad, we had three mules, and, or three mules, two mules and one horse, and we went out, and I went out to the field, and dad showed me how to plow the field with one row, uh, what do you call it, a, a one row plow. Back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> and at the end of the field, what did we do? We stopped and we... I allowed the horses to rest. (laughs) Very fitting, right? (laughs) The mules and the horse. But here it says, here Jesus says, that's a little bit of a side note, take my yoke upon you. Do you love to be yoked with Jesus? You know, we had, okay, going back to that of the plowing, we had one lead mule and another mule that was, you know, not quite as aggressive, but yet did it share. And then we had another horse. But that one lead mule, why he, he, I mean, he, he knew how to pull. But if you're, they didn't necessarily have a yoke like a yoke of oxen where you have 
a, a wooden beam going across, and the one is this way in, and the other one's in there. <clears throat> but when you're yoked together like that, you need to work together. <clears throat> did, did you ever see the... Uh, I saw this back at Susan's uh, parents' place. <clears throat> the picture of... It was two donkeys. See if I can remember. It was two... Two donkeys, and there was hay over here. And so, oh no, they, okay, I'm sorry, this is how it was. There was hay on either side, and they were in the middle. And and these two horses, somehow they they were somewhat yoked together, not with a yoke, but with, I think there was a string, they were tied together. And they were both pulling, so they were out here, oh, maybe a three quarter way to where the hay is over here. They were both here, and they were pulling, 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 pulling. And neither one of them could get their hay. And so they finally, you know how those things go, they're thinking. And they finally came back together again, and they were thinking together. And they, they finally figured out what the best thing to do is. They both went over here, and they ate the hay together. Isn't that beautiful picture? Are we yoked with Jesus? Are you trying to go one way and Jesus is trying to go the other way? Doesn't give rest. Those poor horses could have pulled all day. Doesn't give no rest. Are you yoked with Jesus? Take my, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And then then the next profound thing he says, he says, learn of me. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Get yoked with Jesus and learn of Him. And I might just mention uh, Hebrews... This is a, I probably have quoted this many times, but I think it's very fitting in light of this. It says, God is talking here about the children of Israel. Uh, 3, starting at verse 9. When your fathers tempted me and provoked me and saw my works for 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. See that? Is that connected? Is there, can you make a connection with that and with what we just read? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. If you don't learn of Christ... You will be, can I say, a restless Christian. But all the beauty of being yoked with Jesus and having the rest that comes from doing things His way. That's simple, isn't it? Simply doing it His way. Not my way, but your way, Lord. We'll get to feast. Right? 
we'll get to feast. But when we want to do our own thing, we want to go our own way, we think we got it figured out, we think we know better. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am, I am, what? Meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Take my yoke upon me, learn of me. Let me inject one more passage of Scripture in there. This this whole thing of learning. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Larry read this portion of Scripture. Was that just Sunday? Last Sunday? Larry, that you had that message? Denying yourself? Yeah. But I don't think you read the la- uh, verse 7 there. It says here, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, tailors, headache, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But anyways, in verse 7 he says this profound, uh, to me again it's profound, he says, ever learning. They are ever learning, but there's a problem. They're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I think it does as well to ponder that. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is more Books and more, whatever out there, we can read till we're blue in the face. Was it Solomon? Solomon that said, I just read that in Ecclesiastic, something about uh, books make him weary in the flesh or something like that. Reading, I forget how he says it there. <clears throat> doesn't mean, again, make sure you don't carry that thing too far. It doesn't mean that we don't read. <clears throat> Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And I believe the answer is right after here on why we learn or we don't learn. Jesus says here, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I am meek, Jesus says, and lowly in heart. Meekness. Meekness, meek and lowly. Let me just, let's look at that uh, meekness a little bit. Meekness here in uh, Vine's expository dictionary word, it says, describe negatively. Meekness is the opposite of self-assertedness. Do you assert yourself? Self-interest. It is... I'm sure I can say that word. It is e- 
Someone help me out. (laughs) Of spirit that is neither elated nor cast down, simply because it is not occupied with self at all. Blessed. How can I say that? I'll say it this way. Blessed freedom. Meekness, simply because it is not occupied with self at all. Do you think if we would understand this thing of meekness in a better, deeper way, if you will, the meekness of Christ, we would have more soul rest. He says there, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. That's not you might. He says, Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. To me, that sounds like a promise. Learn of me. So what are we going to learn of Jesus? First, we need to be yoked with Him so that we can learn of Him. And then as we're yoked with Him, let's learn of Him. And this is how Jesus is. He is meek and lowly in heart. And the person that is meek and lowly in heart has rest in their soul. There is a rest that is there. The person that is not meek, the person that thinks about himself, he's always thinking, his mind is going, him or her. The person that is not meek. It's more that way, or can be. Let us take the yoke of Jesus. Let us learn of Him, being meek and lowly in heart. And as we learn of Him, who is meek and lowly in heart, we shall find rest unto our souls. I have another writing that I found on meekness. Meekness unadulterated carries with it crucifixion. The truly meek can claim no rights, keep no rigid, hold on earthly possessions. Not for them is recourse to the law, courts, or police. Yet ever now the meek inherit the earth. Many a missionary has found the almightiness of meekness. Contrast the use of force and meekness. And what do we find? Force is power on the circumference. Meekness, power at the center. Force, power on the outward and local. Meekness, power on the inward and universal. Force, power, visible. Meekness, power, invisible. Force is man's human spirit putting forth its little energies, mental, verbal, physical, to attain its end. Meekness is God's Spirit reigning in a man who first dies to all self-attitudes and activities, working through that man by his, by his ways of love, faith, lowliness, long-suffering, the almighty works of God in that particular situation. Force appears strong. Meekness appears weak. But it is the meekness, but it is 
It is the weakness of God which is stronger than men, and the foolishness of God which is wiser than men. Remember what we read in the beginning there in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Who won at Calvary and still winning and will win? The outward might of deep laid scheme mob violence and Roman law? Or the inward hidden might of the Lamb who opened not His mouth? Which had been more powerful, the legions or Caesar or the gospel of Jesus? Which convinces even an ungenerated world today as a final truth? Dictatorial compulsion or the Sermon on the Mount? God's final word, fullness of wisdom and brightness of His glory, illuminate the world in the person of His Son. He brought to light by word and action this, a new way of conquest, this new method of government, this new dynamic power which swallows up the old way of force, unconquerable, eternal, irresistible, for it is the very nature of the creature, redeemer, God in action. It is the way of the Lamb who opened not His mouth when led to the slaughter. And yet still, and yet sits still a Lamb upon the throne of the universe. It is the way of one who is meek and lowly in heart. The servant, the sufferer, the yet is given a name above every name at which every knee shall bow. But granted that we see this to be the way of Christ, How put into action, first, there must be a conviction with us that meekness is power. Most folk regard meekness as a beautiful but negative Christian characteristic. And in yielding to circumstances or people too strong for it, rather than as a positive spiritual weapon and almighty power. I think that's very well said. Meekness. Meekness is power. But it takes crucifixion. It takes, going back to Larry's message, it takes a dying to self. And I don't believe we can just die one time and then we are, uh, what is the word, uh, uh, where we never face it again. But it's where we take up our cross, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. We are born with a selfish nature. That's why we need to deny ourselves. We have something in this body of flesh that still wants to do its own thing. And by faith, we put off the old man. We put off that flesh, if you will. We put off that that desire and we go the way of Christ. And we sit at His banqueting table and eat with Him. And His banner over us is love. Praise God. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Rest. Rest. Yes, rest to our souls. I pray that if you're here this morning... And you, you, there is a restlessness in your soul that you take care of that. Can I give that encouragement? Maybe you are here this morning and maybe you feel like, well, I've tried. I don't know how. Well, I don't think the Christian life is very difficult. I think it's very simple. 
it's maybe not simple to, uh, what's the word, apply or always work out. But it's simply, is it not the reason that we struggle, the reason that we battle, is because there's something of self that is standing in the way. And if we die to that, all of a sudden, there is rest. There is peace. There is joy. No more fighting. The fight's out of us. And we're resting in the sweetness of the Lord. And the world out there needs to see Christians. The world out there needs to see a people. Zion Christian Fellowship, brothers and sisters, where that radiates out of our lives. And let's not just do it because, you know, this thing of selfishness can be, uh, so we decide we're not going to be selfish and somehow over here it pops up because we decide we're not going to be selfish. So in trying to overcome this selfishness, we are selfish. Or we do something else selfish. You know how, how that selfish thing works somehow? We need to see that we need to die. We need to be dead to self. And we need to have a vision that is for God and for His glory. And only then I believe it's going to come out right. Otherwise, we'll keep going back and forth. And we'll keep trying to push this thing down here and there and everywhere. And it still keeps popping up. <laughs> Sorry for that graphic illustration, but I believe that's how it is. <clears throat> But oh, to be yoked with Jesus. The fight is gone. <clears throat> the fight is gone. I have, nothing, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to cover. I want all that Jesus has for me. Not so that I can have a good life and live happily ever after. But I want God, I want Jesus to be glorified. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of His suffering. <clears throat> Ye shall find rest unto your souls. Ye shall find rest unto your souls. Christ's meekness brings rest. I was going to read what I read earlier. I think I'm going to let it go. Christ's meekness brings rest. He says in verse 30, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. The Christian life. Yeah, sometimes we say it's not easy. But I tell you what. There's, there's a difference between the Christian life where you are uh, laboring and are heavy laden and where the Christian life over here is is where you have surrendered where you have given up the fight and you are yoked with Jesus and you're learning of Him who is meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls. That is, that is a, the, the, the way the Christian life is supposed to be. And then we can say, or Jesus says here, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not a burden that takes the life out of us, but it's a burden that that comes from God and it's upon us. But it's not like it takes the life out of us where we can't function anymore or where we can't uh, do what we are supposed to do or called to do or whatever our calling is. <clears throat> so Jesus says, Come unto Me. Again, the title was Come and Rest. 
Come and rest at the feet of Jesus. God bless you.